0: Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed.
1: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, rushing. Deep left field! This is walk the walk. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality! here's frank scott and chris what's
0: up and welcome into fantasy baseball today on monday april 24th frank sample joined by scott white and chris towers today on the show we're going to recap all of this weekend's action max muncie is indeed That dude, Alec Manoa, bounced back in a big way. I have a question about Shohei Otani and much more. Before we get started, please like this video and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five-star rating. Thank you very much, we appreciate it. Apologies if my voice sounds terrible, if it sounds worn down. I went to the Knicks playoff game on Sunday and- Hey, I'm walking here. Hey. I went with that. Let's go Knicks. Went with Adam Azer. Clyde Frazier. It was a great time, uh, but man, lots lots of shouting. Not, not the smartest decision I've ever made in my life. Anywho, let's actually uh, get into what matters. The baseball.
2: Wow! Hey now! Hey now! Hey
0: now! All right. That is the uh, Seattle TV broadcast last year calling Cal Raleigh's home run that sent the Mariners to the playoffs. Ah, big dumper. And I really liked it. It was great. Uh, Chris, let's stick with you here. Oh my goodness gracious, from the weekend.
2: Yeah, I will just recycle a joke that I made in my column that will be up on CBSSports.com. I'm going with Logan Allen, starting pitcher, Cleveland Guardians. No, not that Logan Allen, starting pitcher, Cleveland Guardians. Logan Allen, the...
1: Logan, Logan T, T. Allen. T Allen. Allen. I, thought you were, right. I thought
2: you were signaling for a
1: timeout <laughs> on account of... I, 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 the dumb I saw joke. all that happen. I saw exactly what Frank was doing, and I saw exactly Chris's interpretation. <laughs>
2: Of yeah, Logan Allen made his major yeah. league debut for the Cleveland Guardians against Miami. Obviously not the toughest matchup in the world, but I thought he was very, very interesting. He got eight strikeouts and six innings of work, walked one, gave up one run on five hits. Fastball velocity actually a little higher than I think the scouting reports as a prospect suggested. He averaged 92, so still relatively soft throwing. It's still as a person who grew up watching baseball in the 90s. Blows my mind that a lefty averaging 92 with his fastball is a soft tosser now, but that's the world we live in. Uh, And I thought his fastball was really interesting because despite being uh, 92 miles per hour, despite not being a particularly high velocity fastball, he had nine whiffs with the pitch. And I, I think part of that is if you watch him, he looks it's not a perfect comp, but he looks a little bit like Josh Hader in the way he delivers the ball, he's got a low arm slot, he hides the ball well, and it's the kind of situation where I do think the first few turns through the league, he could be you know, able to hide the ball and kind of deceive hitters. And, you know, the scouting reports always suggested that the, the fastball played higher than the velocity might make you think. He's been a, around 12 strikeouts per nine guy in the minors. So I think there's something there. Got five whiffs with the splitter as well. A couple with the sweeper. Um, I thought Logan Allen, starting pitcher, Cleveland Guardians, was pretty impressive in this one. And uh, someone I think is worth adding.
0: He is very impressive. Scott, I'll come your way in just a second. Uh, 20% rostered. He's widely available. Kind of took a step back last year in the minors. He didn't kind of. He took a step back last year. He was not very good. He's no. always been able to get strikeouts. That has always been the calling card for Logan Allen, Logan T. Allen in the minors. Scott, the Florida question. International
2: University, baby, Golden Panthers, let's go!
0: Well, you got to make up your mind, Chris. Are you a Are you a New Yorker now? Are you still a Florida uh, Florida guy? Like, what are we? Hey, three oh five.
2: Okay, combination yeah. of both,
1: you <laughs> know. <laughs> kind of sound like Coach Z there. I don't know if you know who Coach Z is. I don't know who Coach Z is. No
0: idea. Uh, Somebody does. Scott, the question here is, does Logan Allen stick around? Because I think that there is a lot to like and just kind of blind faith in the Guardians organization, the way that they churn pitching out, but doesn't stick
1: around. That's the question. I don't see why not. Uh, At some point, Aaron Savale is going to return, but I don't think that's on the verge of happening. And, I mean, Logan Allen was more impressive than... Then Peyton Battenfield has been. I mean Peyton Battenfield's been okay, but like Logan Allen actually seems like a better pitcher. Than and ben you is. know, Zach Pliezak's pretty terrible. So, so yeah, I mean that. Like they've they've already pulled the plug. They've they've got Allen here now. He does this. Uh, his minor league track record. You mentioned Frank. Twenty twenty two. The ERA he had a four seventy five ERA. The year before. 2021, he had a 2.26 ERA mm-hmm. and a .93 WHIP, and then the three starts at AAA this year for Logan Allen a 126 ERA and a 105 WHIP. You mentioned like 12 K per nine everywhere he's been. It's a really interesting profile. It's 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 one that prospect evaluators have a hard time with because he doesn't have like the the eye popping stuff, but he has you know he has that that deceptive lefty quality. I think of it as like an Alex Wood thing. Alex Wood sure. is a guy who didn't get a lot of prospect credit, even though he put up huge numbers in the minors, and he's gone on to have a really solid career. You know, Allen, I think, could be better than that because the most valuable thing, like a, I, I think if, if you just want to reduce pitcher upside to one simple measurement, to one simple stat, pay attention to this, and if, if a pitcher nails this, then he probably has good upside, is the number of whiffs he gets with his fastball. Mm-hmm. And Allen got nine whiffs with his fastball today, even though it's not a very hard fastball. It like it hit the way his delivery is; it comes out of his hand a lot faster than it looks like it should. And so I, I think that uh, that helps it to play up too. So I'm excited about him. I think probably if he does stick around, Logan Allen's going to have more utility than than Mason Miller. I Just agree with that. He doesn't, he doesn't have the the durability issue, and he doesn't have the Oakland A's issue of not getting <laughs> any run support. Um, so I, I, I'd be more excited to pick him up of the two.
0: Okay. Well, in case you're out there wondering, Fab, how much are these guys going to go far? Every league is different, obviously. But in my Tout Wars League, it's a head-to-head points league with Roto-style lineups. So we start nine pitchers every week, seven starting pitchers, and two relievers. Logan Allen went for $99, that's out of a $1000 budget, so right around 10% and Mason Miller went for 188. So, you know, 19% of your budget and man, the Mason Miller bids are all over the place. I want them in a few 15 team leagues for like 138 and 117, but I went mm-hmm. through other leagues and I saw him go for like 300, 350
1: in some leagues, like yeah I, I, I kind of get the feeling the buzz has exceeded the utility with Mason Miller. I mean, there's a chance, like if everything goes perfectly right, that he's a, a really valuable, huge bat misser. but I, you know yeah, like I think, I think, I think there's an 80, 80 to 90 percent chance that doesn't happen, and, and yeah, like, he's like I, a four to five inning guy for and a bat even bat there team.
2: like the upside is probably 100 innings the rest of the season. Now, given the stuff he showed, it might be 130 strikeouts and a sub three ERA and he could be really, really good. But even there, that's only so valuable.
0: Mm-hmm. The leagues where I picked him up, I need ratio help badly. So I'm, yeah. I'm already like far ahead in wins. Uh, I got some strikeouts, but man, I just I really need ERA and whip help. And, and that's what I'm hoping to get from uh, Mason Miller. Scott, let's go over to you. Oh, my goodness gracious from the weekend.
1: Uh, Yeah, so I'm gonna go with Graham Ashcraft here, who didn't really do anything that notable on Friday. It was a fine start, two earned runs in five innings at Pittsburgh. You know, he's he's been he's had nothing but fine starts. Graham Ashcraft at a time when a, a time when pitchers on the whole are getting destroyed. Graham Ashcraft is two zero with a 188 ERA, and Graham Ashcraft was a pitcher who I hyped pretty hard in the last couple weeks of draft prep season especially just missing a lot more bats this spring uh was unveiling a new slider and look he's had success so good for me right i don't know if he can sustain this i'm pretty skeptical his swinging strike rate is 8.6% like the whiffs just aren't there they're not there and it's it's really hard for a pitcher to be more than just a streamer type if he's missing bats at that rate. And, and like, that's the very best case scenario. That's like, uh, like Cole Irvin last year was a streamer type, you know, with a whiff rate, like with a swinging strike rate, I should say like that. So I think uh, given the, given the pitcher market currently, and given the likelihood of regression here for Graham Ashcraft, I think he's an optimal sell high candidate. And I tweeted that out over the week and the responses to it were a little intense in, in all different directions. How dare you say that about Graham Ashcraft? How dare you change <laughs> your stance on Graham Ashcraft? Like, uh, nobody's going to give up anything for Graham Ashcraft. They were, just, they, were, they were very all over the place, but they were very strong. And so, you know, on this longer-form media, I wanted the opportunity to set the record straight to clarify exactly what I mean by selling high on Graham Ashcraft. and Basically... He has gotten good results so far in a very bad pitcher market. So if you put him out there, it, like it, it makes sense to put him out there just to see what you can get. And if you don't get anything good, then ride it out. See what happens. No harm in holding on to him. It's not a situation where like you have to get rid of him before your house catches fire. You know, that it, like, it's, it's not that big of a deal. It's just I think he's performed over his head and it hasn't gone like... The way he's succeeded hasn't been in the way I hoped he would succeed. And yeah. so I'm ready to cash in. Like, lucky us, he's delivered good results. So you may be able to get something good for him. But if you don't, whatever. Just, uh, just you, write it out.
2: And Would you take Ian Hap for him? I haven't looked at what Ian Hap's done recently.
1: He's been solid. That, I think he's got that two. Sound like a, that doesn't sound like a solid sell high situation. Okay. To me, that sounds like more of a lateral exchange, uh, probably depending on need. Somebody suggested, "What's a good suggestion?" Somebody suggested pairing him with Josh Ashcraft and Josh uh, and James Outman. Himself had a big weekend for like a Kyle Schwarber. Sure, and I think I'd go for that. I mean, I think you might be able to aim higher than Kyle Schwarber with the way Outman started the year too. Like a. Could you do those two for, like, a Mookie Betts? Possibly. It depends how savvy your league mates are.
0: Maybe. No, no, I I was shaking my head. I mean, look, it wouldn't happen in... You're right, Scott. I mean, someone's league, it might happen, but I think in most, you know, savvy people's leagues, it probably not. It's probably not happening.
2: Um, This is a... And just to give a little more color to Graham Ashraf, like, he throws incredibly hard. He's got that cutter that averages 96 miles per hour. He's got a slider that averages eighty nine. Slider's a decent swing and miss pitch. Cutter really isn't and wasn't last season. We were hoping like the the slider, the changes that he made to the slider would help the 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 overall profile play up. He's done a really good job of limiting hard contact. Three thirty five expected woban contact so far this season. It was three thirty three last year. Those are elite numbers. Those are really really good numbers. The problem is, of course, he gives up a lot of contact, and so when you, you know, 15% strikeout rate last year, 22% this year, it's about average now, but his control is not great. And so it all adds up and like you add it, you know, you, you want to miss a lot of bats, you want to avoid free passes and you want to, uh, you know, limit quality of contact. If you do all three of those things, you're you're Jacob DeGrom. Congratulations. You're the best pitcher in baseball. <laughs> you, you ideally want someone who does two of those things. Graham Ashcraft right now only does one. That's not to say he can't get there, but like, this is not a guy who got strikeouts last season. And I'm trying to remember his minor league track record, but I don't remember him getting a lot of strikeouts he in the, the minors. He had good strikeout
1: rates in the minors. Okay.
0: Oh my goodness gracious for me from the weekend is uh, Adolis Garcia, who, my gosh, if you were facing this gentleman in a head-to-head points league this week, Saturday I think he put up 27 fantasy points, like... He legit had a quality start and a win as a hitter on Saturday. Like That's how amazing he was. He went five for five with a triple tong, three homers, five runs scored, eight RBI. I mean, that's like production you get from a really good hitter out of an entire week. He did that in one game on Saturday. Uh, and so far this season for Dolis Garcia, he's batting 250. Strikeout rate is down to 20%. He's hitting the ball in the air more than ever before hitting the ball hard, as he always does, 93.1 exit velocity, and a career-high 52.5% hard hit rate. Now, I think we have to see where the plate discipline goes from here. It's still a very small sample size, but he's made these subtle improvements, and he kind of improved a little bit last year as well, and you know, if he takes just one more step forward, then I think that we're just talking about Adolis Garcia as a player who we probably just underrated again this year. Granted, he is, that's if he keeps up what he's doing.
2: He is uh, not swinging very often. It's the the big change. He was incredibly aggressive last season and in the 2021, uh, 54% swing rate each of those two seasons. This year, down to 44%. One thing I've noticed uh, is StatCast, you know, when you're looking at a hitter page, they'll do the stats versus fastball pitches, breaking pitches, and off speed pitches. Um, off-speed basically just splitters and change-ups. Um, he's f- seen nine off-speed pitches this season. It's only 3% of the total pitches he's faced. His fastball rate is down to 51.6%, which is one of the... I think that's the lowest I've ever seen uh, a hitter get. 46% of the pitches he's facing are breaking balls, and he's crushing them. Uh, 32% whiff rate is an improvement over last year, so you take that. Uh, hitting three twenty-four with five of his seven home runs off breaking pitches. And, you know, what we're seeing right now is just a more patient version of Adolis Garcia. He's pitching, he's swinging at fewer pitches in the strike zone, uh, down to 67%, but his chase rate's also down to 25%. And so that helps explain the uh, the lower strikeout rate. And he's not sacrificing anything for it. You know, it's not a situation where he's like, choking up on the bat and trying to make contact and sacrificing all his power, his average exit velocity is 90th percentile, hard hit rate, 89th percentile. This is, you know, I wrote about Yandy Diaz and and Matt Chapman last week. And what I said was if those guys were breaking out, this is what it would look like. If Adolis Garcia was taking a step forward, this is what you would expect it to look like is, you know, becoming a more selective hitter, finding more patience, but still crushing the ball when he does swing. And, It's a really impressive start. Now it's also entirely possible he's just been hot for three weeks because that's what happens.
1: Well, I I mean, look at his numbers before three homer game. Like we wouldn't be having this conversation if he didn't happen to have a three homer game. You know, that's fair. That's and and I'm not like yeah. It's great that his strikeouts are down. I had Adolis Garcia as a bust before the season. A lot of it was based on plate discipline. So if the plate discipline improves, then it's harder to make that case. Um, but I'm just pointing out, you know, fun with sample sizes, of course, is one day can change everything. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And facing the Oakland A's can change everything as well. I feel like whenever a player has a huge game, I have to just, oh, disclaimer, it was against the Oakland A's. So <laughs> doesn't really matter because they're kind of like a triple A team right now. Anywho, uh, one other thing on Adolis Garcia, only one steal so far this season and his sprint speed, according to uh, StatCast, 39th percentile that's kind of weird so let's let's watch that i i would like to Mm. see adolis garcia
1: yeah that normalizes pretty quickly too so yeah interesting observation there
0: Mm -hmm. let's give a shout out to uh max muncie here right (laughs) i mean ridiculous (laughs) double dong on saturday another home run on sunday he is now up to 11 home runs 16 runs scored 21 rbi he is batting 254 but 18 walks to 27 strikeouts He's giving you that OBP. He's giving you the power. He's hitting the ball extremely hard, uh, harder than we've ever seen before. 93.9 was the exit velocity entering Sunday's action. That's before another home run with a near 28% barrel rate. So Scott, I I know we had this discussion in the off season. Is Max Muncie back? And I think for the most part, we were like, yeah, we, we think he's back. Well, he certainly looks that way right now.
1: Yeah, and he does. And I, I, you know, I, I think I was the highest on him, so I'm kind of disappointed I wound up with him in only one league that matters. But uh, this is this is Max Muncy at his best. Now, it's probably worth stating it's not going to sustain anywhere close to this pace. He would basically be Aaron Judge if he did. Um,
2: <laughs> oh, we're taking the under on 80 home runs.
0: Ah, yeah,
1: gosh. we are. Um, but. Uh, what I what I think we can take from this is that he is this he's back to being the best version of Max Muncie. Like it's doubtful he's unlocked something new in his age thirty two season, but is he going to get back to being the guy who hits two fifty with thirty five homers in a great lineup, getting on base a ton? Yeah, yeah. So you know, expect him to slow down as some of these other cold starters heat up. Baseball, you know, everybody takes kind of an up and down path to their final stats. And sooner or later, Max Muncy's going to go in a slump. And okay, that's just part of the, the game. But he's delivering you a lot of good numbers right now. And uh, I think that's a good sign for the rest of the season.
0: All right, let's take our first break. And when we return, we'll talk about all the waiver wire pitchers. There are a lot to talk about, and we'll get to them right after this.
1: From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The
2: wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season
1: takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars
0: and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the
1: podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts
0: welcome back and for those who dabble on the tiktok machine you can follow us we have a an fbt tiktok it's TikTok.com slash at FBTPod or just go on the TikTok app and search FBTPod and we usually post clips of the podcast. We cover it up with some highlights and uh, we're putting out some fun stuff. So make sure to follow us on TikTok if you do live in that world. Let's get into some waiver wire pitchers. I don't really know what is happening. with like <laughs> It's so inconsistent, Scott. I know you, you've brought this point up so far. It's like we know nothing when it comes to pitching right now. Drew Smiley took a perfect game into the eighth inning on Friday against the Dodgers of all teams, too. So just not Lost really it sure. In the
2: dumbest way possible, too. I don't know if
0: you guys yeah, saw, but that was hilarious. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Thirty <laughs>
2: foot swinging bunt that the catcher and
0: pitcher ran into each other on. Pretty funny to watch. I'm sorry for Cubs fans out there. Anyway, he went seven and two thirds shutout, one hit, zero walks, ten strikeouts for Drew Smiley. He is 16 percent rostered, and over his last three starts, he has looked. Phenomenal. How about a couple other names here? Kyle Gibson tied a career high with 11 strikeouts going up against the Tigers. He is throwing a sweeper this season, which seems to be uh, helping out the whiffs a little bit. He's going up against the Tigers again this week. Speaking of the Tigers, Eduardo Rodriguez, fantastic on Sunday at the Orioles. He went seven shutout, one hit allowed, six strikeouts in that performance, and uh, over his last two starts, he has gone 15 shutout innings With 16 strikeouts, that is Eduardo Rodriguez. And then Andrew Heaney, three strong starts in a row for him. So this is our first kind of group, our cluster here. Scott, how would you rank them? Heaney, Erod, Kyle Gibson, and Drew
1: Smiley. I would rank them Heaney, Erod, Drew Smiley, and Kyle Gibson. I mean, Heaney's obviously the one who came in with the stock the highest of the four, and I don't think he's done anything to lose that. He had a double-digit strikeout effort already this season, and three starts in a row of his have been pretty good. So I think Heaney has to be number one there. I'm really impressed with Eduardo Rodriguez, what he's done. Certainly, we've known him to be a fantasy asset in the past. He doesn't have a lot of help from his team there in Detroit, the lowest-scoring offense in baseball, worse than even the A's but he is, you know, he, he pitches deep into games. He went eight innings followed by a seven innings start with a lot of whiffs in each of them. And so I think after a couple of tumultuous seasons, Eduardo Rodriguez hopefully is back and probably needs to be added in most leagues, all but the shallowest. Uh, smiley is interesting. Cause if you remember during the pandemic shortened 2020 season, well, it, he was with the Giants. He was one of those giants success stories where his numbers were just insane. It was seven appearances, five starts, but he struck out 42 and 26 and a third innings. And um, you know, got a little bit of sleeper buzz heading into the 20, 21 season in, with Atlanta. It didn't go well. And you know, he hasn't been much of a fantasy asset since, but he's had now three straight starts, one in a run or less. Uh, and, you know, looks like he's getting whiffs again at a nice rate. He's always had a very impressive curveball. I think he's worth monitoring, if nothing else. Drew Smiley's never been particularly durable, and as I just pointed out, had a lot of ups and downs over his career. But uh, at his best, he can be pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. And then Gibson... You know, he's not going to have many double digit strikeout efforts He was facing the Tigers in that start. He's facing the Tigers in his next start, so you'll probably want to use him then too. But I think he's I think he's going to be a streamer type most of the year, pretty, pretty good at eating eating innings, but not uh, not delivering a lot of upside from start to start,
0: yeah, that new sweeper for Kyle Gibson has a one twenty five batting average against forty three percent whiff rate. So it's been a good pitch. but, He's still allowing a lot of hard contact, and you see that in his expected ERA. So, pretty skeptical of Gibson myself. Uh, Drew Smiley, by the way, is the most the, the one that's widely available. He's only 16% rostered, so even if you're playing deeper leagues, he could be uh, out there for you. Chris, you get this next group, which includes Mitch Keller. We were talking beforehand, like. Is he breaking out? Is this actually happening for Mitch Keller right now? Uh, I'll let you decide. Uh, Domingo Herman continues to get swinging strikes, but also continues to be somewhat inconsistent. He gave up four runs, two of those being home runs, uh, six strikeouts, 15 swinging strikes against the Blue Jays this weekend. Yusei Kikuchi was on the other side. He was at the Yankees, six innings, one run, but only three strikeouts for him so far and Man, like he's given up a lot of hard contact as well, so I'm oh, not sure how much three, three
1: strikeouts in this start. Not so far, just to what just I, to clarify.
0: Yeah, yeah, three strikeouts in the start, but I think I that was supposed to be like a an end of the sentence, and then I just kept oh, saying okay. so far. Okay, I heard but, about it. But uh, yeah, the, so he far.
1: He more than three strikeouts this season.
0: Yes, yes, Yusei Kikuchi certainly does. Uh, and then Seth Lugo, he now has a quality start in three or four outings, and he's looked pretty good. And you know, finally getting an opportunity to start, and he's always really wanted that. And pitches for a good team. So Chris, what do you think about this group? How do you rank them? Mitch Keller, Domingo Herman, Yusei Kikuchi, and Seth Lugo.
2: I think Keller's by far the best pitcher of this group because I'm not sure the other three guys are like pitchers. They're they're throwers. I, I think Kikuchi, like Kikuchi's sort of following the Keller model of like just every year he's tinkering, trying to find something that works and occasionally he'll stumble onto something. But I, I think... uh I have trouble buying in. You know, the five eight three FIP kind of tells the story there. Lugo, I think, is interesting. He's got that. It's he's sort of a mirror image of Drew Smiley, where he's been, you know, good out of the bullpen, has shown some upside, and I think he's showing some interesting skills out of the rotation. Keller, though, um, I mean, he's really become like a kitchen sink pitcher. Uh, he's he's got six different pitches that he throws. Basically between like 10 and 31% or something. I think his highest used pitch is, I think it's the cutter now, which is the new pitch for him because he adds a new pitch every single season uh, seemingly. And that is his most used pitch so far this season. And like, I don't think he's ever going to be a super high strikeout rate guy. He's at 24% right now. You'll take that because he does do a good job of limiting hard contact. And the control is good enough. You know, I talked about the three things, you know, the quality of contact, the strikeouts, and the the walks. He's like average or a little better in strikeout and walk rate. He's really good so far in quality of contact metrics. So I think he's an interesting pitcher, and I think he's a fascinating story. Just the the way he's gone from like hard-throwing pitching prospect who basically just had a, slot, a fastball to now this whole throw six pitches and and see what works approach. I think it's kind of made him pretty useful. I don't know if it's like, I don't know if if he'll ever be more useful than like a Marcus Stroman type, but I think it's, you know, there's still
0: value in that. Hey, you know, Marcus Stroman's made a career out of it, a mid to high three ZRA, just a dependable starting pitcher. So yeah, I think Mitch Keller would sign up for that right now.
2: I did. Have we addressed the sweeper thing? Like what the, because we talk a lot about the sweeper. It's like a new, new pitch that like Statcast has added today. They used to classify sweepers as sliders. It's like a new pitch now. the The distinction between a a sweeper and a slider is basically vertical break. Sliders tend to have that two plane break. Sweepers are much more just side to side movement. Am I explaining this well? Sliders tend to have sliders tend to have more drop. Sweepers tend to be more like a. Just lateral movement. So that that's the distinction there. I, I think there, there was an interesting piece on The Athletic last week. Uh, we we do this a lot with pitching where there's like this this one weird trick to make every pitcher good. And it's like hitters are probably going to figure it out at some point. So, you know, but it's just an interesting. I, we mentioned it with uh, Kyle Gibson throwing the new split sweeper. Mitch Keller is also a sweeper guy. So just wanted to clarify that for for the
0: listeners. Shout out to Mitch Keller and the Pittsburgh Pirates, by the way. 16-7, and seven, currently yeah. on a seven-game winning streak and atop the NL Central. April isn't over yet, but man, it's it's been a really fun story so far this season for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Absolutely. Scott, you get this next group. It includes Wade Miley, who had another solid outing this weekend. I don't know how much upside there is, but it seems like he's kind of... Back to that high-floor version of Wade Miley that we've seen. Braxton Garrett turned in another solid start. It was at the Guardians, five and two-thirds, one run, three strikeouts for him. Tyler Wells was awesome against the Tigers, but they're the Tigers. Seven shutout with five strikeouts for him. And then Joey Lucchese made his return to the mound for the New York Mets. He was at the Giants on Friday, and he looked great. Seven shutout, nine strikeouts for him. And he's got a really good matchup this week going up against the Nationals. How do you rank this group? Lucchese, Wells... Braxton Garrett, and Wade Miley?
1: I guess I will... You know what? I'll, I'll go Casey number one, I guess, nice. followed by Miley, Wells, and Garrett. It's not an exciting group. It's not like you got to rush out and grab Casey. But, you know, good supporting cast there with the Mets. As many pitching issues as, as they've had, uh, I, I, could see, I could see him carving out a more permanent spot there. He's coming back from... Uh, from Tommy John, right? Yeah, yeah. Fresh yeah. off Tommy John, so yeah. that's why we haven't heard about him in a while. So he was off recovering from that. I like that they let him go seven innings in this first start. He's not always going to strike out batters at this clip, but he's another deceptive sort of lefty who can uh, pitch beyond his marginal stuff. So he's interesting, if nothing else. Yeah, Joey Lukasi. Wade Miley. I, I, what I said about Kyle Gibson, I could also say for Wade Miley. Uh, just, you know, not a lot of upside there, but probably going to be streamable when he when he's facing bad matchups. I think they both happen to be facing the Tigers this week. So um, they're both among the top 10 sleeper pitchers for me this week. Wade Miley and Kyle Gibson. And who does that leave? Tyler Wells. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the numbers are great for Tyler Wells. He didn't come into the season with the... Uh, the hype that Graham Ashcraft did, so it would be hard to call him a sell-high. But, um, you know, 270 ERA, .69 whip so far, and just had a great start against the Tigers. I don't think there's a lot there, to be honest. But, you know, 11.7 swinging strike rate, that's not bad. Eh, I don't think there's a lot there, but let's... You know, he play, he's in a good ballpark for fly ball pitchers, which he is, I believe.
0: Yeah, and if you're looking into streaming pitchers this week, Braxton Garrett, well, I think he's kind of interesting. He's got a terrible matchup at the Braves, and, and Tyler Wells is going up against the Red Sox. So while I think those guys, you know, have some slight intrigue, uh, I don't really like the matchup for either one. This last group here, Chris, includes uh, JP Sears. He had 11 strikeouts Friday, but also gave up four earned runs over six innings at the Rangers. And the last two names, I mean, gosh, what is dead may never die, but they're kind of pitching well. It's, you know, Rich Hill has made uh, three good starts in a row. He's got a 2.12 ERA during that time up against the Nationals this week. And then Vince Velasquez on Sunday, seven shutout, 10 strikeouts for him. And I uh, had 15 swinging strikes, 10 of those on the slider. He's throwing his slider more this year. I mean, I feel like we've been duped by Vince Velasquez so many times, but uh, more so deep leagues and anything here, Chris, and any thoughts on J.P. Sears, Rich Hill and uh, Vince Velasquez
2: in my 15 team leagues. I did not look to add Vince Velasquez. I don't know if he's available in the 2014 uh, dynasty league that we're in. Maybe I would add him there. That's about it. But yeah, I'm, I'm not going to buy in. Uh, I don't really have much interest in any of these three guys. I, Weird things can happen in one start sample sizes and sometimes weird things cluster Mm -hmm. as they did this week with uh, or weekend with bad pitchers pitching well, which I think is probably the best explanation here.
1: I I will like if if we're if we're combining this group with the last group where the last group I put uh, Joey Lucchese, number one, I'll put Vince Velasquez, number two. It's rare you find a pitcher. It's rare you see a pitcher get 15 plus swinging strikes two starts in a row. And um, as you pointed out, Frank, he changed up his pitch mix a little this year. He threw a slider 49 percent of the time in this start against Cincinnati on Sunday, and uh, you know he's been throwing that more. That 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 is a way that marginal pitchers can. Kind of help their arsenal play up is to lean on their breaking stuff more. So I I think it bears watching, if nothing else. But I, it is. I wasn't looking to add Vince Velasquez in my fifteen team leagues either. I just, uh, I think maybe there's more of a chance that he emerges as something than there is for like Tyler Wells.
0: All right, well, if we want to add some pitchers, we need a few names to drop as well, and these three stood out to me this weekend. Michael Kopek was hit hard once again. He gave up five runs over five innings pitched against Tampa, one of the best teams in the league right now, but uh, he, he still had nine strikeouts, but, you know, four walks as well. Uh, Tyler Anderson has a 7.20 ERA through his first four starts of the season, and Dre Jameson. well, you know, I I do think they're, is some upside. He has some prospect pedigree. He lasted one inning on Sunday. He gave up three earned runs. He had a couple of walks in there. He's 56% roster. I think people probably picked him up for the two-star week this past week. Chris, uh, where where are you at in terms of dropping these names? Kopech, Tyler Anderson, Dre Jameson.
2: Uh, Drop a meter for Kopech, 10. He's got a fastball, and that's his only good pitch at this point. If he shows something with one of the secondaries, maybe, but He's just been dreadful basically since since joining the rotation, frankly.
1: I I do think it's interesting he got so many swings and misses while throwing 72% fastballs. His fastball is really good.
2: It's a really good pitch. It's just the only pitch he has, and it's really, really hard to survive in the majors these days with just a fastball.
1: Um, It it also seems like he's regained some of the velocity he lost Mm -hmm. last year with that move to the rotation. So that's... Just very small signs for encouragement with Kopech. I'm not opposed to dropping him by any means, but I'm not ready to like bury him yet either. If that makes I'm sense. I'm burying him. I'm okay. burying him.
2: Uh, Anderson, I'd say a nine. I, I think I have a dropout for him in, in one of my leagues. Um, so hopefully I get the player I want to add. And Jameson, I, I'd probably want to hang on to the most out of this three, but I think he's very droppable. Um, the upside yep. is mostly theoretical. There, it's it's not like we're not even talking about like Logan Allen's minor league track record. You know, Trey Jamison's minor league track record is is pretty bad in its own right. So yeah, I think uh,
1: if you need to add someone, he's he's a perfectly fine drop. You, you do have to grade Arizona pitchers on a curve since it's a tough such a tough system to pitch in, mm-hmm. and uh, the strikeout numbers for Jamison were always very good. And like, you know, just the pure velocity, impressive, all of that. But if, uh, you know, if Dre Jameson's who you need to drop to pick up Logan Allen, then I'm totally cool with that. And I'm ready to dump Tyler Anderson, too. I think enough is enough. was good, well-lasted. All
0: right, fair enough. Uh, Let's hit some news and notes before we get to another break. Sandy Alcantara was scratched on Saturday due to biceps tendonitis, but is expected to start this week against the Braves. Do you guys risk it and throw Sandy out there?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I would. He's supposed to throw, I think, a bullpen session on Monday. Hopefully, I don't know when lineups lock tonight, today, but, you know. what six ten Eastern time is the first game. Okay, so hopefully we get, you know, just, just in case. Just keep an eye on that and make sure that there's not any kind of troubling setback. But as long as he gets out of that, fine. Yeah, start him.
0: All right. You Darvish left Sunday start with a right hamstring cramp, but is expected to make his next start, which is next weekend against the Giants. Same question. Do you guys trust you Darvish?
2: There I feel like there have been at least one or two situations this year where it was like, oh, it was just a cramp and then it ended up being more than that. So Mm -hmm. it's possible. But I I think, you know, from I was watching that game, it looked like as soon as the trainer came out, he was like cramp. And so I think that's probably what it was.
1: Yeah, so it's probably fine. You know, the fact it's so late in the week—if yeah. they decide to push him back another two days—oh well, suddenly it's the following week. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But I—I I would lean yes on Darvish unless you just have a great alternative.
0: Okay, this is the first time we've heard this about Bryce Harper, but apparently he could return as the Phillies DH as soon as the first weekend of May. Which. Wow. Okay, like where did that come from? But. You yeah, know, I was reading the
2: MLB.com story on this, and he's about two months ahead of Shohei Ohtani's return from Tommy John surgery. And I think, like, if he did return the first week of May, it would be about a month and a half before Ohtani did. So it's not, like, outrageous. You know, it certainly seems like since spring training, he's been well ahead of his timetable. But, you know, that was true. Like, he took batting practice for the first time a month and a half before he was expected to. So it seems like it's just been a best-case scenario across the board.
0: Mm -hmm. And he could turn out to be one of the bigger draft steals if if that actually does happen. Astros GM Dana Brown said Jose Altuve is ahead of schedule and will undergo x-rays in the next two weeks to see how he's healing. Justin Verlander threw 43 pitches over three innings during a simulated game on Sunday. He expects to pitch in a minor league rehab start on Friday. So maybe he's back, back the following week after that.
2: Yeah, I think it's just... He's just going to need the one if everything goes well, yeah. is what uh, Buck Walter said.
0: Tristan McKenzie began a throwing program on Friday. He's missed the start of the season with a muscle strain in his right shoulder and is eligible to return, I believe it's May 29th. Doesn't necessarily mean that he will be back on that date, though. Carlos Rodon played catch on Sunday. Aaron Boone said the plan is for Rodon to continue with his throwing program this week. Chris Bryant exited Saturday with an ankle injury and did not play on Sunday. Do so you guys roll the dice and start Chris Bryant this week?
1: I'd rather not. If you're in a five outfielder league, it might be hard to avoid, but I'd they rather are, play it safe.
2: They're calling up a hitting an outfield prospect named Trenton Boyle, who has some interesting ish minor league numbers, and that could be a a sign that maybe Chris Bryant might have to miss a couple of games. That's something to keep an eye on. Boyle. 144 games between double A AA and triple A, thirty-one homers. Twenty-four steals, you know, horse field. So, although Randall Grichuk could be back relatively soon, actually he could be back this week. I think.
0: I don't know if it's yeah, this it week, but it's coming. It's getting closer. I I, I remember reading something about him uh, last. It week.
2: was uh, he'll be reevaluated Monday after playing in rehab games this weekend. He could be back this week. Okay, was the the one I saw.
0: Nice. Michael Harris took part in batting practice Saturday. He's been out with a lower back strain. Ricely Glacius will throw a live bullpen session Monday, and he looks to be closing in on a rehab assignment. They need him, too, because A.J. Minter has looked very bad recently. Dodgers catcher Will Smith is not expected to return until Friday at the earliest, which is a bit of a shock. He was talking like he was going to return this past Thursday, and now uh, he's out until Friday, so... Might need a a catcher if you have Will Smith. Tim Anderson fielded grounders and ran a handful of sprints on Saturday. He could start a rehab assignment soon. He's on the IL with a left knee sprain. Tony Gonsolin will likely return and start Wednesday against the Pirates. Scott, we actually had some rumblings that you know maybe Gavin Stone would get called up this week to make a start, but I think instead they're just gonna you know Gonsolin know. will be back a little bit sooner. Uh, would you start Gonsolin his first? First I, I wonder if
1: Stone would have come up if he hadn't been so bad at AAA. <laughs> yeah. It's been bad. Uh, no, I mean, you. well, in theory, the Pirates are a good matchup. They've actually scored a lot of runs this year. Yeah. But I don't think any of us expect that to last. But it's more the fact that Gonsolin only went three innings, I believe, on his rehab start. So I, I imagine he's going to have a pretty pretty low pitch cap for this. And I'd rather... Give them a start, not use them.
0: Watch how you talk about that lineup, Scott. Connor Joe, batting third on Sunday. So, take that.
1: Where did he come from? Where did he go <laughs> last year? And then was back. You
0: know? Uh, you know, all he had to do was get out of course Field. And then, you know, apparently that's when you break out. Uh, just, holding people yeah. back, you know. <laughs> MJ Melendez was removed Sunday due to lower back tightness. All of a sudden, you know, these catcher injuries are, are starting to add up here. Uh, we'll get to another one in just a bit, too. Logan Ohoppy. Yikes. It appears that Nick Martinez and Ryan Weathers have been shifted back to the Padres bullpen now that Joe Musgrove is back. Travis Darno hit in the batting cage Friday, his first baseball activity since landing on the concussion IL. Chris Bubich will undergo Tommy John surgery. We'll always have that one start yeah, that he was I in saw, nobody's lineup for.
2: I saw someone in the comments do the, like, is Logan L the next Chris Bubich? Like, we got to stop acting like Chris Bubich was a bad ad just cuz he got hurt. <laughs> like it's unfortunate timing, but like the skills that he showed his first couple of starts were really intriguing and it's just really annoying. I've seen people do this on Twitter, I've seen people do it in the chat. Yeah. Chris Bubich got hurt, guys. It's like it wasn't it wasn't like he was just bad. He yeah. was pitching with an injury that ultimately required Tommy John surgery. Let's calm down.
0: Yeah, I don't, like, are we not supposed to tell you when pitchers are doing new things and, and they look interesting? Like, yeah, I think we had every reason to be somewhat excited about uh, Chris Bubich. But the unfortunate news is that he does need Tommy John surgery. Jorge Polanco was activated Friday. And as a result, my heart has broke because Edward Julian was optioned back to A. He was striking out quite a bit. Uh, Jorge the
2: Greek Pol- god of walking back to...
1: Syracuse uh, don't, or don't, whatever wherever a they French play. French emperor. He's not a Greek guy.
0: <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> don't do that Chris. Come on. Uh, Harrison Vader will likely spend a couple of weeks on a rehab assignment before being activated. Kyle Hendricks is set to begin a rehab assignment. He's working his way back from a shoulder injury and frankly has not been useful for fantasy in no. quite some time. Josh Donaldson will likely be out a couple of weeks with a grade one plus strain in his hamstring. <laughs> I, I don't grade one plus that sounds like grade two. Why, why do the Yankees do this? I, I don't get it. Um, Mitch Garver will be out at least another month. Kenta Maeda is penciled in as a probable starter Wednesday against the Yankees. Eh, we should probably avoid Kenta Maeda for now, right?
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. yeah. Alex Kirilov may be optioned to AAA after his 20-day rehab assignment ends this week. I saw a tweet. Although,
1: I, saw a although. tweet. I saw your tweet, Scott. They reported that before his two homer game Sunday. Yeah. I wonder if that and
2: he's helped. got like three homers in like six games on his rehab tri- stint. He's still got like 50, like twelve days left on his rehab assignment or something. So mm-hmm. he's yeah, you know, he, he could play. Life could find a way.
0: Absolutely. Players that went to the IL this weekend, I hinted at it, but Logan Ohapi has a torn labrum in his shoulder, needs surgery, and will miss four to six. I wrote four to six weeks. I'm pretty sure it's four to six months, right? Yes. Yeah, you going? Yeah, that one's uh, that's a tough one. Trevor Rogers went to the IL with a left bicep strain retroactive to April 20th. Worth mentioning that Yuri Perez threw five scoreless in his most recent start at Double A. Just throwing it on your radar. Let's let's pay attention there. Uh, Sal Freelich was placed on the Triple A IL with a left thumb sprain, which is terrible timing because frankly, I think he probably would have been called up given the injury to Garrett Mitchell. So. Not great. And another prospect, Indy Rodriguez, catcher for the Pirates, was placed on the minor league IL with, I think I saw, right forearm tightness. And uh, Well,
1: yeah. the, the Garrett Mitchell injury sounds like it's probably a season ender yeah. itself. It, mm-hmm. it, that's the most likely scenario, and he certainly won't be back soon. So, you know, jam thumb for Sal Frelick. He'll be back from that relatively soon. And I still think this will be his ticket to the majors. It's just not going to happen immediately. I, I, I went ahead and picked him up and stashed him in a league, even though he just went on the minor league IL, because they're going to need Freelick pretty soon.
0: Yeah, I think in five outfielder leagues or even just some deeper leagues in general, go out and add South Freelick while you can. Let's take our final break. And when we return, I got some waiver wire hitters. I have a question about Otani. Alec Manoa bounce back. We'll do that right after this. Let's hit some waiver wire hitters. And Josh Lowe had another big game on Friday. He went two for four with another stolen base. And Scott, I do know he's on your sleeper hitters this week. It's
1: all righties. All righties are facing all righties. They're kind of tough righties. (laughs) But if you're not going to start Josh Lowe in a week, they're facing nothing but righties. Then what's the point of even having him? Yeah,
2: makes me think of the arrested development joke. Buster gets his left hand chopped off and the doctor says he's going to be
0: all right. Ah. Great, great bit. Ah. <laughs> Joey Gallo has two homers in four games since returning. He's 49% rostered. Right after everybody probably dropped Joey Meneses, and I wouldn't have blamed you if you did, he had a pretty big weekend. Hit his first home run on Friday and then a four hit game on Saturday. Jaron Duran, very sneaky. Two multi hit games this weekend. And uh, he did sit on Saturday against a lefty, but he is hitting the ball hard so far. And he's got six games this week. At least five righties on the schedule. There's one TBD mix in there. And Brian De La Cruz had a big doubleheader on Saturday. Five for eight with a sock and a shoe. His second home run, his first steal. He's got lots of outfielders here. How would you rank this group? Uh, Josh Lowe, Gallo, Joey Manessis, Jaron Duran, and Brian De La Cruz.
1: Well, Gallo's one of my sleeper hitters for this week, too. Twins have the second-best hitter matchups and only one lefty on the schedule. He's number one, Gallo. Lowe's number two, not just for this week, but I'm talking, mm-hmm. you know, just to, to roster, period. Gala one, low two. Uh, I'll go Brian De La Cruz over Duran. I mean, De La Cruz's got a batting average up over 300 now. His, uh, his stat cast numbers are looking pretty similar to last year and uh, really seems to have picked things up. Uh, hopefully, he continues to play almost every day for the Marlins. Like, I haven't ruled out the possibility that Duran could still end up having, you know, a solid career as a fantasy contributor. He runs fast, uh, has the potential to hit for average as he's doing right now, but has a lot more to prove than these other three and tends to sit against lefties and uh, probably not going to provide a lot of power. So he's, he's definitely fourth of this and his... <laughs> His average exit velocity on 14 batted balls is
2: 97.4 miles per hour Jaron around. I hadn't I hadn't noticed that. But 64% hard hit rate. Yeah. Very very small sample size obviously tilted towards uh right-handed pitching. And he's got nah, nine nine of his 28 plate appearances against lefties. That's actually a pretty decent ratio. So I, I remain very very interested in him. Don't know if it's like add him everywhere interested. It's probably not, but interested. Mm-hmm. Do you Uh, prefer De La Cruz to him as well? Probably, yeah. Yeah, I think maybe a floor versus ceiling thing there.
0: I think I trust the playing time more with uh, De La Cruz for now, but Jaron Duran, 85th percentile max exit velocity, 83rd percentile sprint speed so far. He's kind of a post-hype name, and if you play in deeper five outfielder leagues, I I would actually look to add Jaron Duran now and just see where it goes. If you need a catcher, which, again, there's a lot of injuries right now, Gabriel Moreno. (laughs) had a big game on Friday and he's coming around and Scott, I know the D backs have the best hitter matchups this upcoming week. They've got three games in Coors field next weekend. So absolutely. And you know, shallower one catcher leagues, Gabriel Moreno, I think is an ad. If you're playing two catcher leagues and you're desperate, Christian Betancourt is getting hot. He's got three home runs in his uh, last five games that was following Friday. I have a question about Shohei Otani that I'd like to ask you guys. And he was amazing as a pitcher. Once again, he, you know, he did, Hit another home run on Sunday, so that's you know I think it was part of a back to back to back home runs. They were Taylor Ward, Mike Trout, and and of course Otani. But as a pitcher, Friday seven shutout, eleven strikeouts, twenty two swinging strikes going up against the Royals. He's got a zero point six four ERA, zero point eight two WHIP, thirty eight strikeouts to fifteen walks. Lots of walks (laughs) so far, Uh, but the strikeouts have been there. The swinging strike rate looks fantastic. I have a fifteen team league, the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational where I have started Shohei Ohtani as a pitcher every single week. And I think the state of pitching right now, the way that it is, and the way that Ohtani's performing, this is a first-round pitcher right now, the way that he's pitching. I think there's like a legit argument to use him solely
1: as a pitcher right now in weekly I, I mean, he, he looks like the AL Cy Young frontrunner right now, right? <laughs> I have not, I only have him in one league, and it is a points league, where, which would encourage you more to start him a pitcher. I started him at pitcher the last two weeks, and I think I was the most opposed to that idea coming into this season. Like He's a first-round caliber bat. You're not going to use him at pitcher that often. But I didn't expect the pitching environment to be so bad, and Otani's one who's shining every single start. So it's, it's hard to take him out of that pitcher spot.
2: It helps that he hasn't been amazing as a hitter yet. You know, he's on like, a, I mean, good, but, yeah, the, the, not, yeah, not, the standards are really high, but he's on like a 90 run, 90 RBI, 35 homer pace, as opposed to, you know, 45 homers and 110 RBI and whatever we usually expect from him. So, you know, but, you yeah, know, he's made some changes. He, I mean, <laughs> he's pitching like the best pitcher in the world right now. Whether he can continue to like he has a 228 expected ERA despite a 14% walk rate because he's got 36% strikeout rate, which is higher than what he had last year. He's yet to allow a barreled ball this season. His expected Woban contact allowed is like 250. Uh, He's been outrageously good. He's throwing his sweeper 50% of the time. He has a 34% whiff rate with it. Yeah, it's, it's been real fun.
0: Yeah, and he's going up against the Oakland A's this week. So, I <laughs> I am in favor of yes, probably starting Otani as a pitcher once again, but it comes down to your team needs. What do you need more and I would imagine most people probably need the pitching right now. So, that's that's the way that I'm handling Shohei Otani in those leagues as bring, of now.
1: Yes. Can I can I bring up another hitter, a potential hitter pickup? Sure. Uh, that I see is only 43% roster in the CBS Sports League's Harold Ramirez. Of the Rays, who is he just hit his fifth home run on Sunday, which I think he had six all of last year, and he's already up to five. Uh, Another kind of like kind of a similar story to Yandy Diaz, always hit the ball hard, but never high enough to get a good home run total, and and his launch angle is up too. he started seven of eight games. You know, we I, I think we've kind of been passing over hailed Ramirez because we think of him as a platoon guy and, and the weak side of a platoon. He started seven of eight, though. He's batting 373 with those five home runs. And I think at this point, probably needs to be rostered in a lot more than 43% of leagues. It's not, you know, a money-back guarantee he's going to be this good all season <laughs> long, but he's sustained it for long enough that. If I need hitting help and he's out there, I'm I'm gonna take a shot on him. You know? Mm-hmm.
0: Imagine dropping a guy like that in a 24 team dynasty league. <laughs> I don't know anyone who would do that. It's Anywho, something you did, huh? Yeah, I. Uh, and, and you and need I, a first baseman and too. And I need and a first so baseman too. It's just, <laughs> I I lost in the Scott White Dynasty League by five points this week, and I lost last week by half a point, and like it's just very painful right now. So. I'm going to stop talking about it because it's making me feel bad. A few pitcher questions that I wanted to bring up. A huge bounce back performance for Alec Manoa. We really needed to see it. He was at the Yankees. Seven shutout with five strikeouts in that game. The fastball velocity was up half a mile per hour. The slider was up 1.4 miles per hour. And uh, the slider, that was the best that it's looked all season so far. And the other one I wanted to mention was Shane Bieber. I kind of feel like. He's been underwhelming, and we yep. we haven't really talked about it much, but five and two-thirds, three runs, four walks, four strikeouts, going up against the Marlins of all teams this weekend. He allowed eight hard hits, 92.4 exit velocity against. He has four strikeouts or less in four of five starts this season. The strikeouts are down. The walks are up. The hard contact is up. He's got a 4.71 expected ERA. He's got two pitchers that maybe are trending in opposite directions right now, following Manoa's good start. Um, Your thoughts on those two?
1: Yeah, so I noticed the same thing with Bieber. He's avoided the disaster start that so many pitchers have had, so I think that's why we haven't had an excuse to talk about him yet, but just like really underwhelming with the strikeouts. He's faded his curveball this year in favor of more cutters. Like, his slider's his best pitch, but the curveball, he would, he would use them both quite a bit, and he hasn't been using the curveball as much. And I think that may have a compounding effect of of diminishing the effectiveness of his slider, too, because the curveball and slider, I think, probably play well, better off each other than the cutter and slider do, uh, is my guess, anyway. And uh, hopefully that changes, but I'm pretty concerned if I have Bieber right now. You know, he he was already walking a fine line with the big velocity drop last year. And uh, I don't think he's changed his arsenal for the better. So that's what I'd say about him. Alec Manoa, you know, I he just needed to start throwing more strikes is, is how it looked to me. Uh, was walking four... I, I think he had four plus walks in, what, every start prior to this one? Well, it was too many walks, whatever it was.
0: I have, uh, <laughs> let's see, he had... Four-plus walks in his previous three starts before
1: Saturday. Okay. And then he walked one in this one. Yeah. He uh, had a nice strike percentage. I think two-thirds of his pitches were strikes. So, yeah, like hopefully he's fixed now. I know the Blue Jays were saying they thought he was uh, behind in the buildup and was forcing things. Uh, that was their explanation. And hopefully he's calmed down now. He did this against the Yankees, obviously, which is encouraging, especially encouraging. So i feel good about Manoa today.
0: All right. Well, we're kind of nearing the end. So I'm going to just bounce around a little bit to just the other big performances from the weekend. If anything really stands out to you guys, just feel free to jump in, interrupt, and, and you know, obviously uh, say whatever you need to. But Zach Gallen, masterful start. The guy has been awesome. Uh, his three past three starts, they're all scoreless starts. 29 strikeouts to one walk during that time. He's After a slow start, he's looked phenomenal. Garrett Cole has been the most consistent pitcher in baseball this season. Five and two-thirds shutout with four strikeouts for him. His ERA is down to 0.79 so far this season. Shane O'Mac. Actually, yeah, he deserves this.
2: Here comes the money.
0: Here we go. Money talks.
2: Here comes the money.
0: Six innings, two runs, 10 strikeouts to one walk against the White Sox.
1: 32 swinging strikes. I was trying to think if we've if we've seen a number that high before. Didn't I? I think somebody had thirty five swinging strikes last year. I want to say I don't remember who. I feel like thirty two is. I feel like two
0: years ago there was a random performance from like Patrick Sandoval where he had thirty or something like that.
2: Yes, Patrick Sandoval has had like a massive one like that for
1: sure. Mm. Otherworldly
0: though, that's insane stuff, man. Look, as long as that shoulder holds up, he absolutely looks like. A top five starting pitcher right now. Joe Musgrove made his season debut. He was okay. Five innings, three runs, six strikeouts for him going up against the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. What else did we have? Christian Javier kind of had that first breakout game at the Braves. Six innings, two runs, 10 strikeouts for him, 19 swinging strikes, though the velocity was down a little bit. So let's just watch that for Javier. Jacob DeGrom, he did Jacob DeGrom type things up against the Oakland A's. Was the Oakland A's six innings, two runs, one earned 11 strikeouts to zero walks for him. And uh Jack Flaherty had nine strikeouts on Sunday, 23 swinging strikes for him. And he's kind of been trending in the right direction as well.
1: <laughs> I don't know what's going on with him. <laughs> this was this was everything you wanted to see from Jack Flaherty. But like, even though he's been trending the right directions, d- direction, the underlying Numbers didn't look great. Like, okay, so he got 23 swinging strikes in this one. Uh, but the start before, even though it was a positive outcome for Jack Flaherty, he had four swinging strikes on yeah. 90 pitches. <sighs> and so it's. Also seems, got hit weirdly hard today. Uh, yeah. And th- I think he's been getting hit hard every start, basically. So it's a lot of contradictions. It, I'm, I remain skeptical, but if you're looking for reasons to be encouraged by yes. Jack Flaherty, this was. Clearly the most encouraging start. I mean, By the way, uh,
2: that was the tied for the fifth most swinging strikes in a start in the StatCast era, according to the, the McClanahan StatCast, one. the Shane McClanahan one, the 32, mm-hmm. the highest swinging strike rate in a start for, I mean, at least for um, players who've got that many swinging strikes because he only had 88 pitches. The, th- the four starts with more than 38 two swinging strikes. 119, 110, 108, and 132 <laughs> pitches. Wow. Clayton Kershaw got 32, 35 whiffs on 132 pitches back in 2015.
0: Oof. Man, crazy stuff. For Very Jim. impressive. Yeah, awesome. Awesome stuff. A uh, few hitting leftovers. Nico Horner might just be a stud. He had six more hits this weekend. Two home runs. He's batting three he He's got nine steals, 20 runs scored. He looks... Fantastic so far this season. Ronald Acuna picked up five more hits and four steals. He had three in one game. He's got 12 steals already. The month of April is not even over yet. He's 20 runs scored, 374 batting average. Acuna looks amazing. Fernando Tatis hit his first home run of the season on Saturday. Jared Kelnick, back-to-back games with a home run on Saturday and Sunday. He's batting 319, six homers, three steals, 26% strikeout rate. That's fine. He's hitting the ball hard. He's barreling it up and he's five for 15 against left-handed pitching so far. So it looks really, really encouraging so far for Jared Kelnick and uh, some positive signs for Masataka Yoshida, seven hits over his last four games, including a double dong with six RBI on Sunday.
2: Let's get it. He changed his batting stance a little bit. I think he said he wasn't seeing the ball. Well, changed his batting stance this weekend. And yeah, finally, uh, Finally got his first barrel this weekend, I think.
0: Mm. All right.
2: Well. First couple.
0: Yeah. Good stuff there. Uh, call to the bullpen. A few updates here for the White Sox on Friday. Ronaldo Lopez disaster outing. He entered the ninth with a two-run lead. He gave up three runs on two home runs. Did not record an out. He's been very up and down. Times where he looks like one of the best relievers in the game. And then others where he just... Does not have it for the Phillies on Friday. Jose Alvarado picked up his third save of the week. And then on Saturday, Alvarado was unavailable. Craig Kimbrell converted the save, but Alvarado is the guy right now. And he's
1: 50% rostered. I thought so. But then on Sunday, he did pitch and he pitched in the eighth. What was the what was the situation there? I don't
0: know. I mean, it was four
1: three, I believe Mm -hmm. when he pitched. And it ended uh, no, up being, it was 7-3, sorry. Okay, yeah, and it ended up being an even more lopsided win, so it's not like, yeah, 9-3 was the final score. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was weird, because I, I agreed with you. Oh, oh, wow, they've clearly anointed Jose Alvarado to the closer role, and then, okay, Kimbrell got the save Saturday, Alvarado needed a day off, but then what happened Sunday? Then what happened Sunday? Exactly. Yeah. I still think, like, of all the Phillies reliever, Alvarado is the guy you want, and yep. you know probably should be rostered everywhere. But there is that, there is still that seed of doubt. Yeah,
0: and last year down the stretch, manager Rob Thompson, he you know went closer by committee and, and really kind of mixed it up. So uh, he could do that again. I, I hope it's not the case because Alvarado looks amazing so far for the Braves on Friday. AJ Minter. Uh, entered the game with it tied at the time. He gave up a two-run home run to Jordan Alvarez, and then A.J. Minter gave up three more runs on Sunday. So, they need Rysele Iglesias back soon. It wouldn't surprise me. Maybe Nick Anderson gets their next save opportunity, but he's been pretty bad. For the A's on Friday, Zach Jackson pitched the eighth inning with the game tied, facing the top of the lineup. He allowed a hit and a walk, but no runs. They took the lead. Yuri's Familia picked up the save in a one-run game. I I don't think that I want to chase the... Oakland A's bullpen. It was a crazy weekend for the Angels. Carlos Estevez on Friday night pitched the eighth inning with a two-run lead. Then Jose Quijada got the ninth and he picked up his uh, fourth save of the season. Then on Saturday, Jose Quijada got the ninth with a two-run lead. He gave up five runs. Five runs and he took the loss. Hmm. And then on Sunday, Carlos Estevez, he got the ninth and he converted his third save. Scott, do you have a a feel here for the Angels bullpen?
1: I mean, I'm still... I, I think I'm leaning more toward Quijada still he yeah. had worked a lot and surely they'll give him a pass for that one ugly appearance uh, but I don't think it's a situation yet where there is clearly just one guy Estevez is still in the mix I just don't think he's as good as Kejada
0: mm-hmm. for the Royals on Saturday Scott Barlow pitched a ninth inning with a three-run lead he got a second save Aroldis Chapman pitched earlier in the game In the seventh inning, with the game tied at the time, six to six, for the Astros, Brian Abreu picked up two saves on Saturday and Sunday.
1: I don't know why he pitched both days. I mean, yeah. So I mean, Presley had worked a lot in the last week. Mm. Um, So you could uh, clearly he needed a day off Saturday, and that's why Abreu worked then. They may have wanted him to take another day off Sunday, given his health history. It also may have been a situation where Abreu just happened to be the one warmed up because entering the the top of the ninth, it was a tie game. And then the Astros scored three runs, making it a safe situation. I I don't know exactly who was warming up when. I don't think Brian Abreu is about to become their closer, though. He'd probably be a good one. (laughs) He's a really good reliever. But I I just, I, I don't. I don't think they decide to kick presley out of that role unless he's hurt and they're hiding something there
0: for the cubs on sunday michael fulmer pitched the ninth down two runs you know maybe get him back on track nope he gave up two more and his era is now 8.68 chris i know boxberger got a few saves recently but he gave up two runs over the weekend I kind of think the name to watch here in deeper leagues is Brandon Hughes, who was very good down the stretch last year for them.
2: Yeah, I think that's a name to watch, but I think Boxberger would have to fail first. So I think he'll probably get the first opportunity.
0: Speaking of Michael Fulmer, by the way, I mentioned uh, I lost by five points in the the Dynasty League, right? Michael Fulmer gave Mm -hmm. me negative 11.5 points. That's pretty bad. Yeah, so if I just take a zero, I win. Great. For the Dodgers on Sunday, Bruce Dark-Ratterall picked up a two-inning save with Evan Phillips on the paternity list. Phillips is supposed to be activated on Tuesday. And then for the Rangers on Sunday, Will Smith allowed a hit but picked up his second save. And Jose LeClerc pitched, last pitched on Friday. He pitched Wednesday before that. I feel like he should have been available, so...
1: I yeah know. i wasn't sure because it's not like they were facing a murderer's row of lefties in the ninth i mean they were facing the a's and I, I wondered if just the fact they were facing the a's with a three-run lead they were like let's give leclerc another day of rest here we don't really need him to 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 nail this one down that that's my hunch but i don't really know i mean I for what know. it's worth smith has been very good
2: yeah he has some. you know small sample size but the Quality of contact metrics, strikeout rate are all very good so far.
0: Uh, I feel like LeClerc has been pretty good, too. Uh, Just quickly pulling it up to see. Uh, Well, he hasn't allowed a run, but man, his strikeout-to-walk ratio is quite bad so far. So um, We'll see. LeClerc versus uh, Will Smith. That's something to watch. To stream or not to stream, let's start with Monday. Cal Quantrill versus the Rockies. That game is in in Cleveland, so...
1: I could stream him for that. Yeah. I don't love it, but it's fine.
0: Dean Kramer versus the Red Sox.
1: Mm. I Don't love it. Don't love it.
0: Edward Cabrera at the Braves.
1: I want him at- on my team, but not to start. Yeah, I actually have him as a two-start sleeper. Yeah, because he got the going, Twins. No, uh, neither of his matchups is good, but he's getting yeah, two of them. Yeah. But if you're when you're when you're going daily against the Braves, I, I don't know. It's I, I like him more than Kramer even though it's a tough matchup. That's fair.
0: Matthew Boyd at the Brewers.
1: Nah. Nah.
0: Ken Waldachuk at the Angels. Nah. Jose Suarez versus the A's. Nah. No. Brad Keller at the Diamondbacks.
2: Nope. No.
0: And Tommy Henry versus the Royals.
1: Get real.
0: (laughs) All right. On Tuesday, Peyton Battenfield versus the Rockies.
1: Nah. Uh, I guess not. It, I mean it might it's be,
0: fine it's fine it's fine it's fine
1: yeah it's 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 I don't think he's a very good pitcher but it's a really good matchup and he's pitched well so far
0: Kyle Bradish versus the Red Sox
1: I think I like Bradish more yeah
0: Bailey Falter versus the Mariners nah, nah. Josiah Gray at the Mets nah Eric Lauer I, mean,
2: I may be starting him this week but <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: Eric Lauer versus the Tigers
2: sure that's okay
0: Mason Miller at the Angels
2: In Roto, not points. That's probably going to be a Mason Miller answer most of the time.
0: Griffith Canning versus the A's. I think
2: that's okay, yeah. He looked really interesting his first start. Or his first two starts. First two starts,
1: yeah. Velocity's
0: up. Ryan Nelson versus the Royals.
1: Nah. I'm okay with that if you're really struggling. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: he's not been great, but uh, neither have the Royals. Uh, And then Brady Singer at the Diamondbacks. Not with how bad he's been. No, I agree. We're going to wrap there for Scott and Chris. I am Frank. Thanks as always for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball Today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6,
2: part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops.